Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240, for Autumn Semester 2023. Today, the structure of an interest rate. Before I do that, I will finish up a topic in your um, Cengage uh, chapter five, I think it is, and it should have extended the deadlines for that, so that's a, that's a good thing. I screwed up, I put it for the deadline for midnight, but then it thinks that that was midnight the day that, that, uh, that that date began, and so it has to be 11.59, so I had to fix that. And apologies for that. We will have a surprise quiz to finish this off today. Uh, but before we do anything else, just a quick look at the numbers, and the numbers are not encouraging. Uh, oh, they are for me. Well, sort of, some. Um, what, is it? what the heck is happening? Uh, this is just like a dead day. Look, at, yeah, I, I'd ask you bull or bear, but it's just more like uh, a dead squirrel on the road. It's just sitting there. <coughs> S&P 500, the Dow is down. Actually, the Dow is down a little more than everything else, but it's down less than a quarter of a percent. And the Excuse me, the S&P 500 is, and the Nasdaq. I mean, you got 0.05 percent and 0.03 percent, respectively. That's just not anything. That's that's just uh, there's no movement. And just to see how the volume looks on the S&P 500, typical day, 3.7 billion shares today. Oh, look at that. That's that's. Almost well. The, there's still some time left, but I mean, there's hardly any volume. It's like the markets are not interested. There's no excitement at all, either up or down. And I, a lot of that's just that there's nothing, no news. There's no direction pointing. Right now, we're sort of in a steady ground. Uh, a recovery is underway, and all of that, but it's nothing spectacular at all to, uh, to speak of. Now, if you look at the, uh, the price of oil, as I had kind of suspected, that resistance at 90, well, will you shut up? God! What the hell is that? For heaven's sake. Man, when you get to my age, it's, you know, it's, are those voices real or... <laughs> or is it Memorex? Uh, crude oil has broken down below that resistance. And as you can see, as I said, uh, as I predicted, the gasoline prices went up, but it wasn't anything spectacular at all. It was just a nudge upward. <clears throat> so we're still in decent territory. The uh, price of energy is not going to go up enough to dampen the economy at all. <laughs> Yeah, the gold bugs are having a hard time. Their gold has slid down noticeably. It's now approaching uh, $1,900 per ounce. 
this is anywhere near that important $2,000 an ounce uh, uh, region at all. So there's nothing to worry about there. Now, interestingly, the euro and the dollar have, are both depreciating. I'm sorry, the euro and the British pound are depreciating against the dollar. A couple of factors could be involved in that. If there were, it's probably not an interest rate differential change. It's more likely just that the uh, currents of the uh, economies in the Eurozone and London are not showing as much, uh, how should I put it, uh, energy as U.S. economy or robustness. And so the economy that is doing the best will have its currency appreciate. So the euro is depreciating against the dollar and the British pound is. So that tends to point to uh, their economies showing more weakness or less growth than the American economy. And the yen is showing the same thing. The yen is depreciating. And here again, it's inverse. It's actually depreciating. So it looks like yay for our team. Ours is, getting, uh, is doing the best economic prospects. So there's that. Uh, Tokyo had a decent day up. It wasn't anything terribly spectacular, but it was sort of a sustained push at least into the later hours, it just kept pushing upward. And on the other hand, when London folks woke up, they had a grouchy day. They were going down most of the day. They seemed to have had, right here at the end, there was that bull rally, but it wasn't enough to uh, overcome the earlier day losses. And so they did have a little bit of a rally, but they finished off for the day by a little more than three quarters of a percent. Yeah, okay. Looking around the markets just for some kind of inspiration, and I don't really have a whole lot to inspire me right now because everything is kind of a quiet thing. I'm curious about something here. Um, Kroger, I'm looking for the large, the heavies in the industry, Kroger right now. Oh, here's something interesting. Let me look at CVS. Now, just a couple of days ago, Rite Aid, one of the competitors for CVS, announced that it's pretty much done. It's, it's over. Uh, its uh, feet are pointing toward the sky. And so that's usually good names for the ones who are survivors. Take one uh, of the teams off the playing field, and that means more customers for those who are remaining. Now, CVS and Walgreens are both having problems, but, I mean, they're just huge companies, and CVS up almost a percent and a half today. And looking at it, well, I'll be darned, not the suckiest place in the world, but uh, you tell, well, you tell me, sir, is this a safe or a risky company to invest in? Well, I mean, I'd say it's a pretty safe one. Don't say I'd say. It is pretty safe. It's not of an opinion. It is a fact. It is a relatively safe company. And uh, is it overvalued or undervalued? Say a little over. 
little bit, but even at the, in that range, you're probably not going to have much of a play on the price. Anywhere around 30 is going to, but it does seem to be a little bit overvalued. Now, just to keep this going here, sir, is this a profitable company or an unprofitable company? Profitable. Good. Profitable. Don't ask the other question. Say profitable, man. Profitable. Can't you see that? You're the professor here. <laughs> you say that to me. Yeah, it's profitable. And decent profit, too. Uh, Ma'am, does it pay a dividend? Good question. Bad answer. <laughs> you want to take it? Yes. Yes, it does. It pays a dividend of $2.42, which is a yield on the price of 3.40%. Yeah, it's... So, I mean, this is not a slouch company. Even though, yeah, CVS and Walgreens do have problems... Uh, still, there, there's one of the big problems is that they both overbuilt themselves. Have you ever noticed that there's a pharmacy on almost any corner in the United States now? I, and that was one of the problems. They just kept building against each other. Just a, it was like a, you know, a headbutting competition. So now there's so many of them, and they're also they were benefiting quite a bit from the. Um, for the pandemic, people going there for their tests, for their shots, and now that the pandemic has faded, they're, they're not going to have as much income revenue from that. However, they are we having a nice little rec resurgence. Uh, it's not a killer pandemic like the, like the real deal was a couple of years ago, but that's going to help with people coming back in for some boosters and all that. Of course, they compete against uh, such um, big, uh, big stores as Meyer and Hy-Vee and others that offer shots too, but you know, it's going to be one of those things. So for, for the purposes of having these companies survive, let's see if we can get another real pandemic going. You know, cull the herd as it were. But no, I won't do that. Okay, now I'm going to do the holding period return. Now I want you to watch me do this. I'm not saying that this will be on the quiz, a question like this, but it will be on the quiz. Okay? But I am not saying that it will be. So I'm going to look at this one. Get my calculator. And I'll just crank it out here. You take the price, the target, one year from now, which Yahoo says is going to be $90.80. And you divide that by what you buy it at now, a year prior, $72.20 or 19 cents and then you subtract one hit get the result and then times it by a hundred holy cow now if there is a dividend you would want to add that dividend yield the one in parentheses to it in this case you're going to add 3.40%. Good grief. <laughs> A 29.20% return, uh, total annualized holding period return, annual holding period return 
on a stock with a beta of 0.61, that is spectacular. I mean, that is a darn, yeah. Go ahead. Look right here. See the forward dividend and yield? Okay, now let me explain very clearly. $2.42 is the dollar amount. You take that divided by what you pay for it and you get the yield. But we're looking for yield, so that's why you would use the 3.40%. Yeah, 3.40%. Is that, is that good enough? Good. We're good. Now don't miss the stupid question on the quiz. <laughs> okay, but now just uh, just to uh, Walgreen Boots Alliance WBA. This is Walgreens. Just to do a comparison, notice low beta as well. Historically, these low betas were the result of the type of uh, products that pharmacy sold were basics, they were staples. Your uh, aspirin or your Tylenol or your antacids and those kinds of things. Now they have expanded a lot since then to make people want to come in. If you notice now, you can grow, go into like a Walgreens and they've got all kinds of fun stuff. They got. Uh, adult toys you can buy like uh, magnifying glasses and heaters and stuff and they've got cards uh, gift cards so they have tried to broaden their base and that just makes them more of a basics kind of uh, store retail store which tends to be safer now notice that they are losing money Walgreens is uh, getting its clock cleaned right now which means there's no P.E. ratio. You won't have a P.E. ratio if the earnings are negative. And that's a little interesting. Walgreens is having some problems. But at the same time, good Lord, look at that dividend. They're paying $1.92 out of earnings that they don't have. There's that thing where you will keep paying that dividend even if you are going to hell in a handbasket just to, uh, uh, if any of you are familiar with the old Monty Python series, this is giving dividends when you're losing money is the Black Knight saying it's just a scratch. Uh, that, that's, it's uh, that bad here. Uh, God, that's a monster dividend too. Look at that, 8.95%. So going through the grinder one more time, just to make everyone happy. I will take the price. Yahoo's predicting that this stock will be at $29.33 in exactly one year. Divide that by its current price, which you would buy it at a year before you sold it, at uh, $21.26. And then subtracting the one. For heaven's sakes, don't ever forget to subtract the one. And then times the result by 100. So your capital gain yield is a staggering 37.96%. That's just the stock price going up yield. You can't, you can't get that on a certificate of deposit at your bank. Of course, you're taking a little more risk, but now you add in that insane dividend of 8.95%, 
And this racehorse is finishing up with a total holding period return, annual holding period return, of a staggering 46.91%. That's just, that, I mean, I don't know what they're seeing that I don't know about. Maybe they know there's going to be another pandemic and these companies are going to be selling new vaccines. Of course, also, interestingly enough, I should point this out. One thing that is countering the loss of revenue from COVID vaccines is the new vaccines that are showing up, like the RSV vaccine is now showing up. Another factor, which is not often talked about, is that, you know, we have an aging population. Overall, all of the baby boomers are hitting their old age. That means that just about every one of those is going to need a couple of new shots they never got before. The shingle shot and the pneumonia shot. And both of those, for now the protocol is two separate shots for each one of those. And that's going to be a huge source of revenue for those companies. Uh, the shingle shot, the last price I saw on it was 300 freaking dollars. Now that's picked up by the insurance company, but that doesn't matter. Walgreens, CVS are still going to get those payments for all of those people who don't want to get the itchies or the coffees when they uh, hit old age. Yes, I did get th that one. If it's any comfort, it won't, and so I won't be killed by, by the pneumonia, but if it's any comfort to me, that hurt like hell. Anyway, there is your review that should help you with the uh, quiz today. Uh, now let me do one last annuity, a type of annuity. This is, again, this is actually one of those that is probably easier to do on your calculator than to pull up Excel, get a new worksheet open, set it up, and get your answers. Although there are, there is, will be a circumstance in a few weeks after the midterm where you will see where it would probably be okay because you're doing a bigger problem. So this type of annuity, you could put in there at that time because it's part of something bigger. Start with something easy. Madam, are you going to live forever? Of course you're not. You'll live a lot longer than I will. And then you can come to my grave and lol. Except the joke's on you because I'm going to be cremated and I'm going to have my ashes scattered around a white castle. Mm -hmm. Add a little flavor to those burgers, damn it. There's a white castle up in Joliet. It's my favorite. Their motto is where the pickings are slim and the customers aren't. But there is something that can live forever. It just keeps going. And at least in theory, it, a corporation does not have a, a known finite life. It does not deteriorate and die. Now, most corporations do 
or they get absorbed by another corporation. But on their own, they don't have to die. And so there is actually a reason to ask about an annuity that goes on forever. Uh, it's called a perpetuity. It's an annuity that has an infinite stream. There are two. There's a level version, and then there is a, well, there are actually three, but I don't want, even want to start. And then there is a growth. Now the level has the same payments forever. The growth, if it's a constant growth, that one would grow at a certain percentage rate every year forever. The formula is very similar. You just got to be careful because the denominator has minus the growth in, in it. But there are examples, non-corporate examples of perpetuities. For example, preferred stock. It's a kind of equity, and it's a little odd, but preferred stock, on the stock certificate, well, or the electronic version of it, it actually says how much the dividend is going to be forever. It's an equity, so it lives, theoretically, forever. Now, a preferred stock certificate looks kind of, look, you could, uh, I'll give you sort of a half-assed example. One share, 1.8% preferred par value. $60 per share. That's kind of what, what it would say on the front of the certificate. What this means is that every year, forever, if you have a share of this preferred stock, you will get 1.8% times the par value for eternity. For, you know, until the rapture or whatever. So I would take 0 0.018 times 60. That'd be, really? One point a dollar eight per share, and you would get that as the holder, as the shareholder, forever. Now, the odd thing, first of all, preferred dividends. This is a dividend. It's like a common stock dividend. The difference being that a common stock dividend can be anything the board of directors decides it is. It could be nothing. 
preferred has to be paid. And if the company is going to pay a common stock dividend, like those ones we see in the screens, it has to pay the preferred dividend first. The common stock dividends cannot be paid at all. Any stock dividend, common stock dividend, it can't be paid until these are, unless these are satisfied. Unless the preferred dividend is paid. Now, there is a little twist, which you can see sometimes in preferred, where you see the word cumulative before preferred. Cumulative means that if the company does not pay the preferred dividend because it doesn't have the money to, one year, two years, for three years, it has to make all of them up before it can pay a common dividend. Cumulative can, be, can literally wreck a company because it could start to get back on its feet. It can't pay any common stock dividends until it has caught up all of its old preferred dividends. So back in the day, I was, I was able, I could pull up preferred stock, companies with preferred stock, on the same reporting services you see me use now. I could find some preferred of a company. But anymore, it's really hard to find a quotation service that shows them like it shows common stock. There are a couple of reasons. One is, Companies used to give pay preferred dividend. Prefer, uh, I, I'm sorry. Companies used to issue preferred stock. You can see a lot of balance sheets where they list. Well, there is so much common stock outstanding, and then there is so much preferred stock outstanding. Historically, it was done by companies. Not very much anymore. You can probably see why. I mean, this is like. Uh, uh, the marriage from hell. You're stuck for all eternity paying this dividend every year forever. So it's not as popular as it used to be. Although, interestingly enough, I still see it. I was going through plowing for classes like this and I digging around, where the heck can I find some preferred stock to show? Uh, companies with a listing for preferred stock. It looks to me like where it is still used, at least to some extent, are in some real estate corporations. And I know why. It would be a little difficult to explain here. It has to do with REIT's Real Estate Investment Trust. That seems to still be a place where companies raise money through IPOs of preferred stock or through seasoned offerings of preferred stock. But other than that, it's not that usual anymore. Which is unfortunate because you can see why, in a way, preferred stock would be a great thing for investors, especially older investors. They could throw their retirement savings into a preferred stock of a, of a good, safe company, and not only would they get a dividend every check every year for the rest of their lives, but they could bequeath that preferred to their estate, to their beneficiaries, and those people would get it for their whole lives. 
and then they could pass it. So it w- could be an, it's a, like an intergenerational asset that pays on and on and on. But it's not there, not too popular anymore. And as I mentioned, you can you can probably see why. Now that's a perpetuity, goes on forever, and it's a level perpetuity because it's the same amount. In this case, that dollar eight forever. Is there any other place where we see them? Yeah, once in a great while. There's a story that well, it's not a story. It's Something that came out came uh, out of France back during the era of Napoleon. Oh, that was a time in history from the Middle Ages, the Renaissance, and even into the 1700s. There were some countries that just liked to get into wars with other countries. It was almost a tradition to have a war. England and France in the Middle Ages. They would just have wars because that's what they did. Oh, you have offended me. Well, you have offended me. And they'd have a war. The problem was that the kings and queens didn't have a whole lot of money. They were they put on the, the facade of having money, but they were actually kind of cash-strapped. Oftentimes for wars for, in Europe and England from the Middle Ages onward, they actually had to go to rich people to finance their wars, to rich families. It was just how you did it. You borrowed money from some rich family so that you could have a war with some other group. In England, during the Middle Ages, if I don't know if any of you are familiar, there was a famous poet. He probably would have been more pop, more, uh, as famous as Shakespeare, but he wrote in Middle English, which most people couldn't speak by the time they got to the 1600s. But anyway, his name was Geoffrey Chaucer, and he was like a go-between. He was great friends with the noble, with the nobles and the royal family, but he was also great friends with the guilds that were starting to rise in. Europe and England. Specifically, in his case, when the kings wanted money for a war, they would ask him to get a loan for them from the, uh, the uh, Beermeister's Guild, the, the, the Beer Makers Guild. Okay, real forward to the time of Napoleon. He needed money for a war, and so he f- funded some of that of operations of the country and for the uh, for the incivilities through a family that lent him a large sum of money. The agreement, the indenture agreement, the agreement for the loan had that it would be paid, interest payments on the money would be paid, but the balance, but the principal would never be paid off. All that would be paid every year is the interest on the loan forever. That's a perpetuity. There's a face value of the loan and there's an interest on the face value. So every year the sovereign, the government, would have to pay that interest payment forever because it was, there was no maturity date on the debt. Uh, the government, as I understand it, 
I, maybe it was in the 1980s, France, the government of France, uh, the Fifth Republic or whatever it was, went to a court and said, come on, cancel this. This is ridiculous. And the court, if I recall right, the heirs to the, who owned the debt to the original lenders, the, they went and said, no, there's no reason to cancel this. It's a legitimate debt of the sovereign. The court agreed. Keep paying it. You're not getting out from under this. We're not canceling this debt. And so on it goes. It literally see, looks like it is going to go on until there is no longer a country called France, which they would say will never happen, that we will not be here. So there's a perpetuity. So, Let me show you the formula. It's really kind of stupid. The present value of an infinite stream of the same amount of money forever is the cash flow, the level cash flow, divided by the discount rate. Discount rate amount of the cash flow. That will be the present value of the eternal cash flow. It, it, it seems like, well, wouldn't that be an infinite value? No, because the farther out in the future the cash flow gets, the less its value, a present value is. So after about 40, 50, 60 years, I mean, there's hardly anything being added to the present value. So it does settle down. Um, you may have taken a course in either advanced algebra or in calculus where they showed you these convergent sums, sums that add up to, a, 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 it's an infinite sum, but it actually adds up over infinity to a number, to a specific number. I don't know if they've shown you those infinite, sequ infinite series, but that's what this is. It's just a formula for math, nothing spectacular. Now, here's the thing. This actually could be a model for a corporation's present value if the corporation paid a level dividend forever. We could value, the present value of the corporation is the sum of the present values of the infinite stream of its dividends. But most companies don't have a level stream. Now this one applies. How should I say it? This one applies. I don't calculate mostly to old companies. Here's the thing. When companies start out, 
they probably are not going to pay any dividend at all. They're just going to plow their money back into the company. They earn it for the shareholders. They say, shareholders, we're going to put this money back into the company to grow the company and make it stronger for your benefit. Later, they kind of start, you know, once in a while, dropping a dividend. Here, well, you guys have been bitching for a long time. We're going to give you a 50 cent a share dividend this year. But don't count on it. So then there will be a period when there will be dividends, but you can't really tell what they'll be. They could be uh, next, this year 50 cents, next year maybe 40 cents. Year after that, they don't pay a dividend. Then they get a nice dividend of 60 cents out. It's unstable. But there comes a time for almost every corporation where it wants to stabilize the dividend at a constant growth rate so that investors get a confidence in the stock. Well, every year this dividend goes up by 2%. The fund managers on Wall Street like that for a couple of reasons. Investors, regular people like that because they know there's going to be a dividend probably and it will be this much more next year and that same percent more the next year. That's the conf, uh, a constant growth period. A, lo uh, a long time ago, I didn't buy this. I thought, no, there's not a constant growth rate of dividends. Then I started looking at old corporations. I take this year's dividend uh, divided by last year's dividend minus one, then that year's dividend divided by the previous year's dividend minus one. I'll be a son of a dog if they were not about the same number. That growth rate really does stabilize over, but it has to be a corporation that has been around for a long time so it knows it can pull this trick. Hence, we old corporations that have a constant growth rate of their dividends, we can price them, their intrinsic value is a present value of a perpetuity. The cash flow at period zero times one plus the growth rate, the constant growth rate, divided by the discount rate minus that constant growth rate. You gotta be careful here. You don't use the dividend that has just been paid to do this. You would use the next year's dividend. So for example, RTL, RTL Corp just paid a $2.40 per share dividend that is expected to grow at 2 point, let's say 2.4% per year hereafter. We can value the company. This is intrinsic value. The present value, the intrinsic value of RTL common is going to be the dividend that was just paid 
times 1 plus the growth rate of 1.024 over, oh, discount rate Eight point six percent. Zero eight six minus point zero two four. Watch it with that denominator. Make sure you put that in parentheses. Seriously, I'm constantly screwing that up. Okay, here we go. Just crank it out. And of course, I, I exited the calculator. So we're going to take two dollars and forty cents. Should have used that's an unfortunate choice there. Times one plus point zero two four. Close the parentheses. Divided by. Open parenthesis, 0 0.086 minus the growth rate, 0 0.024. Close the parenthesis, equals. Stock intrinsic value is That's all there is to it. And like I said, it's as you can see, it's almost not worth it to put that into Excel right now. But later, we're going to use that constant growth perpetuity to value companies whose stock isn't yet stable. The dividends aren't yet stable, but they will be soon. And we can you pull out that perpetuity formula to find the present value of the company's company at the point where it starts, it stabilizes, and then take the, that present value along with the present values of the unstable dividends. Don't worry about that now, it's coming up. Excel is our big friend for those pain in the butt problems. Enough of that, you have a quiz to take. There's no password today. And once you're finished with that, that's all I have for you today. I thank you. <laughs>